What's up, everybody? Welcome to It's In Season, the anime podcast that, yes, is still watching both 91 Days and Taboo Tattoo during the summer 2016 anime season. Yes, we were away for a little bit, but we're back and we're still watching anime. Hi, everybody. I'm David Majors. Some of you might know me as DJM. And joining me on this podcast, my old buddy, my old tag team partner, Ness himself, the radish man, a Mr. Richard Waters. Hey, Richard. How's it going? Uh, not too bad. I, I'm back along with my two co-hosts, and I'm I'm just debating whether or not uh we should somehow get Billy Joel on board because I hear DJM is a big fan of his. I I love Billy Joel almost as much as I love Dolph Ziggler. But speaking of people from Ohio, uh, in fact, one that is not completely overrated, uh, coming to us from Kent State University. Cody Anderson. Hey, Cody. What's happening? Hi, my name's Cody. I like anime. But yeah, I'm from Kent State, just like that other guy you mentioned. Yeah, but you're actually likable and probably not completely overrated in every imaginable way. But we're not going to talk about people from Ohio that are completely overrated. We're going to talk about... No, no. Richard is a treasure. (laughs) He's a treasure. How dare you? You don't have to take that from him, Richard. No, no, I don't. But don't worry. Prison school season two will come around eventually, so. And you are more than welcome to watch it. At least one person will. Yes, one. I'm I'm sure there's thousands that'll watch it. And they're terrible human beings, all of them. Except for you, Richard. You're a treasure. Don't ever change. Are you guys ready to talk about 91 Days and Taboo Tattoo? Actually, I think we should talk about Taboo Tattoo and 91 Days. You know what, Richard? See, th- this is why I love having you as a co-host, because that is a fantastic idea. Let's talk about the few episodes of Taboo Tattoo that we've been watching. Let's start with episode 7 of Taboo Tattoo. This episode was called Storm. Uh, episode 7, the U.S. Army's Tattoo Forces stationed in Japan find out the lo- location of Japan's tattoo ruins where Arya currently is and initiates an operation to reclaim the site. Justice and even Toko are included on the mission. They reach the island where the ruins are located and launch their attack. Certain that they have the advantage due to their sheer numbers and the higher count of original sealed. But then Cal Shekhar, the vice captain of Brahmin, stands before them. Um, Richard, episode seven. Uh, I, I feel like at this point I'm kind of repeating myself with Taboo Tattoo. So I'm just going to let you get your take in on episode seven of Taboo Tattoo. What did you think? Well, one thing that stood out to me for episode seven, and I'm sure you guys may have caught it, or maybe you didn't, but you can just define this uh, this attack on the kingdom with one phrase. Sausage up their asses. Because that's that's what the U.S. Army brings to the table. Yeah, they're... It's, I believe this is a 12-episode series, but they're they're going right into it with storming the capital and taking it to the kingdom. 
One thing I did like about this is uh, Samurai Girl. I forget her name, but she has actually, over the course of these few episodes, kind of become my my favorite, someone I'm looking out for. So she basically is uh, taking them all out on their own. She's a strong, independent woman, and she don't need no man. That is, she may need someone else, such as Ill, because she shows up and – that's when the cavalry truly comes into place because guess what? In addition to all her powers, she can turn into a tiger, you know, because reasons. But one thing that I noticed is Samurai Girl may be my favorite, but I think either both of your guys's or at least David's favorite, BB, he comes to the rescue. And things start to, you know, get a little hairy for our buddy Justice because – Hime-sama, the princess, she captures him. She crucifies him. And right before she seemingly kills him, it fades to black. Luckily, unlike uh, The Walking Dead, you don't have to wait uh, half of a season. You just have to wait one more week. So the group, they attacked, but uh, they didn't do too well. Seems uh, they're getting stomped by women. And some people are into that. Some people will allow you to pay $150 an hour for that sort of thing, but I don't know anything about that. Shut up. Uh, Richard, I will agree with you uh, regarding Cal, a samurai girl. Uh, she is also becoming a favorite character of mine on the show. Yes, uh, I would say BB and Cal are one and two at the moment. Uh, and, and Justice is a very close number three. I think they're a very good trio. Hey, there's three of them. How appropriate. I, I like that. That That's just how I planned that out. Uh, and uh, again, as I've said many, many times, the action in this show and in this episode was pretty fun. So I won't repeat myself. Uh, Cody, uh, how are you feeling about episode seven? You know what? Just... Like I mentioned before, this is such weird pacing, you know, because last time we watched and talked about it, you know, Sanders and Izzy were issuing the punishment. And this week, they're launching a full-on assault to gain the ruins in Japan. Like, I had to turn the episode off just to make sure I didn't skip one. You know, at this point, I just have to roll with it. You know, the school, the show is running at a fast pace. I'm on a ride. I, just have, I don't want to fall off of it, so I'll just keep on. But last week... I declared my love for Blood Blackstone. You can say he's a mad crush Monday, but this week, I'm in love with Cal. Maybe it's because I'm a sucker for samurai characters, but I remember from the very very beginning seeing her design during the OP, and I couldn't wait for her. And, uh, but for Cal, she's strong and fierce. Not to mention, she's not afraid to cut anyone up. So far, she is a welcome addition to the Taboo Tattoo. But uh, to sum this week's episode or this episode up, you know it's an extended battle sequence. This is something I'm torn on. While watching it, I full on loved it. The fight scenes are absolutely the best part of the show. I feel that's something most people would agree with. But once I was done with the episode and thought about it, it just felt so sudden. A conflict of this magnitude, it kind of deserves a proper build up for it. And once again, the pacing problem strikes. At times, it lacked emotion. For example, the parts with Sanders. And there was no emotional attachment, so it's hard to feel bad for him. The same can be said for the other characters introduced, like Burns. They're most likely there just to be fed to Cal and her minions. But one positive was 
There was less fan service this, this week. You know, it happened 12 minutes in, and it didn't happen after that. But maybe deep inside, I actually like it. Nah, I'm just, you know, the whole cow being in love with BB was so sudden and unnecessary. It loses points for that. But, you know, I'm fine with this episode because it was obvious it was a two-part one. Uh, l- l- let me throw this one around since we're all pretty big fans of Cal and I know Cody and I are both big fans of BB uh, how, Richard we'll start with you how do you feel about this apparent relationship between Cal and BB what do you think of it just looking in you know I actually when uh, Cody mentioned that Cal being in love with BB I honestly you know I can't blame her because if you're listening to the podcast, everyone who has spoken so far has kind of also been in love with BB, so I'm honestly okay with it. Uh, Cody, what do you think overall of how this relationship seems to be uh, happening or seems to have some some history? It's just odd to me because we haven't talked about Episode Nine yet, but it deals with that kind of, and uh, it just seems out of place for this moment in time. But I guess who could blame her, like Richard said, because he's basically someone Taylor Swift would be writing a song about. He, he, uh, to Sal's credit, though, or Cal's credit, rather, uh, Cal would be the kind of anime character I would wish would be the star of her own show. Uh, I, I wish Cal were in her own anime so she could be the strong female anime protagonist that I'm always a sucker for. But we're not talking about that kind of show. We're talking about episode eight of Taboo Tattoo. And this episode was titled Creator. Backed into a corner by Brahmin's overwhelming strength, the U.S. Army is finally forced to order all troops to retreat. Toko, however, realizes that Justice is still on the battlefield and is too anxious to leave. Meanwhile, Bibi suddenly arrives to take on Cal, but her absolute boundary ability forces him to fall back on his last resort. And as Justice watches the battle unfolding before him... We're going into the part two that Cody mentioned. So, Cody, how are you feeling about this part two, episode eight? I only have one thing in my notes for this episode. And the words of Booker T, what the hell? You know, all the complaints of the last three or four episodes have combined together to become a mess. That's what Taboo Tattoo has become, a giant mess. I can't even consider it as a hot take because I highly doubt I'm the only one with the same glaring issues. You know, let's start this off with Toko. Rest in peace, my big-chested friend. You do not deserve this. No. Hashtag justice for Toko. Uh, Are you shipping that, Cody? Yeah. I, well, you know what? Yeah, his well, name is Justice. You just caught me on that. Well, I, I don't know if you can call that a ship, since they were kind of together. I, I guess that's kind of canon, wasn't it? It was, but I mean justice in the sense of she did not deserve that fate. No, she didn't. That was awful. She was she was she killed was a without sweet character. Yeah. Oh yeah, and she was killed with any without any emotional build up at all. And you know, let's be real, the blame should be on the U.S. Army, just like always in real life too. You know, she has no combat training. There was no reason for her to be there. You know, and Seggy just kind of brushed it off as well. 
That was his best friend, and he and he accepted the love the previous episode. It's kind of comical in a way. There's but isn't that well, how it always isn't that how it always yeah. happens in anime when yeah. there's always the the confession of love and there's some sort of acceptance of each other's love? Yeah. One of them always dies. Isn't that how it always happens? Well, they're kind of self aware with that, as we'll talk about later. Yes, but yeah, we will. There's been three well built characters, and you know, not one of them is dead. And next up, my love, Blood Blackstone. What a fight he had with Cal. That's what I want from this anime, and that's what I got. And you know, that's where it ended too. I can't ask for too much because I know I'll just be, end up being let down. You know, BB first appeared in a as a, in a as a full character like one episode ago. You know, we're supposed to believe that he was that important to Segi after one night with him, really. And more important than Toko? Nah. The character obviously had more room to expand. Even the semi-many breakdown at the end of the episode could have been an entire episode's worth of material. The show's rushing and giving no reason for me to care about those two at this point. And, you know, another example of bad storytelling, throwing things out there for no reason is Burn and Lisa's apparent romance. (sighs) What's the point of that? Am I supposed to feel bad for her because of him? I don't know him. We didn't know any. We didn't even know they were dating until one minute before his death. You know, side note, I do feel b- bad for him because obviously, you know, they have to kill the black character. Not only do they have a cool design, but they had a, and a cool tattoo as well with his ability. But you know, also the tattoo mythology I praised last time is becoming too confusing for me at, at this point. And you know, I don't want to complain. Maybe sometimes I want to give the occasional hot take, but I don't like complaining. You know, I'm an a- anime centrist after all. Come on, man. Th- this is this is an anime podcast. We're supposed to be angry and we're supposed to scream about how anime is crap and how characters are awful and we're supposed to give hot takes about gender stuff and weeaboos and moe. Come on, Cody. Man. I'm in the middle. That's right. We here are, are firmly in the middle. We we take no sides, the the anime centrist. But we can still give thoughts. Richard, it's your turn. Episode 8. You know, I don't really have too much to add. I'm not saying I fully agree with Cody on there, but I think a lot of it is uh, the past two episodes, just so much was happening that, I mean, granted, it's a big epic battle royal little fight with each opposing side, so it's kind of hard to take every little action that uh, Cody complained about. Is like, why should I care? And I guess they're just throwing so many things out at you that I almost feel bad for feeling this way because if you uh, switch the genre a little bit, usually I would like this sort of thing. And, and now I'm part of the the people that I hate. But one thing's for sure, two people died, BB and BB, as in Big Boobs McGee. She is no longer with us as far as we know. BB died, but he still had a plan, and that was – Something I can actually agree with. Destroy all the tattoos. And when he finally does his uh, his last attack, his limit break, some fragments, some of them remain. And Segi, Justice, our, our guy, he can still enter that void, take on his memories, and, you know, do that thing that always happens. Your mentor dies. He He's fallen, but in defeat, he becomes more powerful than you could ever imagine. And... Segi has that power, or at least we hope so. Maybe this show will just be a total downer, and perhaps the bad guys will win in the end. 
but we shall see in episode nine where things continue. Maybe things will slow down for a little bit, hopefully. Well, we find out with episode nine entitled The Past. Justice follows the course of BB's memories, watching the man's younger self leave the U.S. Army and offer their tattoo research information to the kingdom of Selinistan as a gift. His goal was to grant Izzy's wish to see all tattoos in the world disappear and searching for a way to do so in Selinistan, where tattoo research has progressed the furthest, was the method he chose. But when he infiltrated the base of Selinistan's tattoo research, BB learned a shocking truth. Dun, dun, dun. Episode nine, Richard, go. Episode 9, uh, everyone's favorite Spider-Man story and everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, it's time, Attack of the Clones. It, it turns out in BB's past, it also deals with the princess's past, and it turns out that she wants to destroy all humans because, yeah, there's a lot of her, and she's connected to, like, clones and stuff, and yeah, so it's... It has potential to be the ultimate harem in disguise. They've always found a way to, you know, change things up a bit. Somehow getting a bunch of girls, you know, sometimes they're sisters, sometimes they're teachers. There's always a little gimmick, but I don't recall ever seeing one that dealt with clones. And since this does have not a lot, but a decent amount of fan service, maybe that's where they're going with it. That's why they wanted to get all those fights out of the way so we can get to the meat of the you know, of the show, and that is that beach episode, because it's it's got to happen. So, yeah, the princess and her kingdom, yeah, she's, you know, th- there's a lot of her. She's She's been cloned. They've been experimented on in order to create things, and now she wants to kill humans because they're not clones. And what we see in episode nine is just BB learning about this, and with the king's blessing, because, you know, you can't be a princess without a king and queen— BB is supposed to go forth and stop the princess. He may have failed in doing that on his own, but uh, since Justice now has his memories, which we are witnessing in Episode 9, maybe he, he can finally do it and destroy all the clones, or maybe they will just keep on keeping on and pull a Naruto and never end. It just keeps going and going, much like, you know, this show just... It keeps going and going. I don't know what's going on, and they keep changing things on us. And to be honest with you, going into the uh, the two episode, uh, the two shows in our previous recordings, I said that I prefer Taboo Tattoo, and I gotta admit, I'm starting to feel with Cody here. I'm still on board, but I'm kind of like trailing off. It's, I'm not enjoying it as much as I used to. So yeah, Taboo Tattoo. I hope things pick up for the you know the last set of episodes because it I'm just going through the motions at this point. I'm really glad I'm not alone on that mindset. I I really found myself trailing off, uh, especially I I don't know why, but for some weird reason, 
Toko's death really kind of hit me, and I found it very hard to focus on this episode and to continue to care uh, regarding the the story about Arya the princess and the clones and all of that. I just found it very hard to pay attention and to care at this point. Uh, this show, Taboo Tattoo, was fun for a while, but it's really starting to lose me. Uh, Cody, I- I'm starting to feel like you might be on the same page. Uh, episode 9. Yeah. I'm kind of there, but, you know what, I didn't absolutely hate this episode, mainly, you know, because of BB, but, like you said, I couldn't really pay attention either, because I was more focused on what happened with Toko and BB and them dying more on this backstory, which could happen actually, like, an episode or two before this. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't awful, it wasn't bad, but it's just kind of there for me. And, uh, for the princess and the whole clone thing, you know, maybe killing humans isn't right, but, you know, she's not entirely wrong, you know. They killed indigenous people just for her to become a thing. So, maybe she's not the bad person here. Now, let me throw another question for you guys around the horn. Uh, since we're on the topic of clones, and I believe, Richard, you brought up something that I'm going to throw your way first of all. Richard, how would you create a dating sim of clone girls? How would you pick your clone waifu? I would base her on... Uh... Or husbando. For okay. for those of you out there, we don't judge. The anime you centrists know. do not judge. You got you got to you got to get both both sides. That's right. I would base them on uh, someone we discussed last season. You know who? Based mom. Ah uh, yes. Who I do not remember. You could the never great, forget the greatest anime mother of okay. all time. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, Cody, same question. Uh, if you had, if you were in a dating sim of clones, how would you pick your your betrothed? How would you Akane, pick your OTP? Akane from Psychopaths, straight up. Good choice. Good choice. Uh I would probably say my choice would be Balsa from Sere no Moribito. Uh, the, the show that was on Adult Swim. Uh, look it up, kids, if you haven't watched it. My choice would be Sede no Moribito's Balsa, the main character. Actually, you reminded me of that joke at the beginning of the episode. When you mentioned about, hus- about the husband thing. About the whole king and his, I guess, gay lover thing. That caught me off guard right there. I just had to laugh at that. Hey, again, we, we here, the, the fine folks at Anime Centrists on Twitter, we are totally okay with you choosing your waifu or your husbando, whether it be 2D or 3D. Choose whatever you want to choose. Just know 3D is pretty great. Just, just saying. It is. I'm just saying. But you know what else is pretty great, you guys? 91 days and we've been raving about this show this entire season and there has been a big update 
that changes a running gag on this very podcast that we're going to talk about later. But right now, we're going to talk about episode 7 of 91 Days. This episode was called A Poor Player. The Fongo family has taken the place of the Orko family. Fongo is grateful to Nero and Avilio for their hard work and asks them to continue to work with him. But Nero is worried that Fongo is going to use him and then kill him. It's then that Frate declares war on his brother, and that's where things get to where there's no turning back. Nevertheless, Fio asks Ronaldo to make peace with Brother Nero. Cody, we're on episode 7 of the now critically acclaimed 91 Days. Shout out to the folks at Crunchyroll for finally catching on. Uh, how are you feeling about episode 7? What an episode this was. You know, after what happened last week with Don Orko, I was expecting a cooldown episode to get us back into the story. You know, just behind the shows decided to do the exact opposite. You know, it gave us another thrilling saga in this story. You know, in my mind, I kept saying, I don't know if 91 Days will be able to top the last episode. Yet, I don't know why I keep saying this. I'm proven wrong every single time. You know, instead of being filler, something that often shows up in anime episodes not dedicated entirely towards the primary characters, you know, this episode had a life of its own. You know, it had Broken Farte versus Brother Nero. The tragic story of a brother versus brother. That's a story that's been around since birth of this world. You know, the idea isn't exactly new. However, it's been ex- excellently executed. Of all the episodes with a surprise conclusion, this was the most surprising for me. The Venetti, the Venetti feud is so much more complex than the feud between families we've seen before. Over span of an episode, we've seen Farte truly become a broken man. He was in too deep, and now he's being destroyed by a combination of drugs and manipulation by Ronaldo. You know, with families focused, a family focused uh, mafia backdrop. You know, it's both heartbreaking and a realistic look at how fragile the family can be. But uh, 91 Days introduces us to characters a lot better than 91 Days, and we've seen a lot of characters like Farte and Ronaldo from the beginning with information about them but you know this show doesn't abruptly end them as well and it covers full character arcs that's low-key shade for a show that we just discussed but you know just like the content of this episode happening i wasn't really expecting fio to become a moving piece in the anime i kind of just expected her to be a sister character sort of there between the two families but you know she is that to an extent it's just that the writing animation is doing a great job of making her more than just that. You can see the pain in her eyes, seeing her brothers fight with her husband, trying to kill one of them. You know, the, mo- the mob life is all about family. She is fully committed to that, but as I said, she's a moving piece that's been manipulated by Avilio. You know, another shout out to Fantastic Visuals, the shot of a tiny body hanging from a huge bridge in the night. Even the dark, suffocating space that was Farte's office um even the the lit room in ronaldo and fio's home 91 days creates an atmosphere of its own and i i appreciate that but i feel like i'm left again saying what will happen next you know the last few episodes have been tied up some of the original roadblocks such as the orico family and farte becoming the new dawn 
you know, Velio seems more concerned with keep a, keeping Nero alive for the moment than with killing him. And it's likely that the Venetti family is about to undergo another big shift with the new loss. You know, I don't really know where we're going, but I just trust 91 Days to take me there. I really believe 91 Days has earned that trust. This show has been consistently strong through its entire run. Uh, in the, the calmer moments, you can tell that they're building to something, and it does not disappoint. So many of the characters are all so well fleshed out, and everything matters. Everything matters, and that is, that is to be commended. Uh, Richard, how are you feeling right now about episode seven? Well, episode seven was definitely the turning point for this series. Even though 91 Days was one of my picks, and I believe it was Cody's as well, I wasn't too enthusiastic about it around episode two. I think if you go back and listen to some of the recordings we did, I said I was just, it was the opposite of Taboo Tattoo. I was just kind of on board, and to be honest with you guys, the last few episodes, if I was watching this on my own, I probably would have given up because I just wasn't feeling it. But that changed with episode seven. And what we saw basically was the, their alliances was – it was getting to Nero because it was taking away from you know his, his family's profits dealing with Fango. And just seeing Angelo and his dealings, it, it really changed my perspective of what this show is about ever since the first scene – where his family was gunned down and Nero was part of that hit. It's been all about getting revenge on the mafia and what they did to my family. And Angelo is supposedly the hero of the story. You should be backing him up because it's about revenge. But this episode, it kind of changed things. I started to actually feel bad for Brother Nero just for all the little things that Angelo was doing and some of the comments he made, such as he actually said – to Nero, because Nero has a soft spot for his brother, as we found in this episode. And he said to Nero, I had a brother like that. I'll let you meet him soon. Letting us know his brother is dead, implying that he's going to kill him. But at the same time, as we will find out in later episodes, he has so many chances to take Nero out, but he chooses not to. I don't know if he's playing the long game or if it's sort of a, I guess you could say, a Walter White situation where he went into this with the best of intentions. He had he had a goal here, and yet I think deep down he actually is starting to like this new side of him and just just being a mafia dude. And this episode ended with just showing you that Angelo has definitely changed. He always had that goal of getting revenge for the murder of his parents and his brother, but it really changed because – what he did is he set up Nero to have to put down his brother. His brother was out to get him anyways, but he didn't really want to do that. And it ended not only after saying, I'll let you meet my brother, but but then he had the nerve, the stones, if you will, to say this, starting today, I'll be your brother. That was just cold. And ever since episode seven, I started to think, who am I supposed to cheer for? Is it Angelo? Or am I now on Brother Nero's side? 
indeed. Are we cheering for Brother Nero? Has Brother Nero uh, redeemed himself in the eyes of us, the viewer? I suppose we'll have to see later. But Richard, let me throw something out to you. You brought up something uh, about Avilio, Angelo, and how long he's waiting to exact his revenge. Um, do you remember at the very end of the Christopher Nolan film, The Dark Knight Rises, where, spoiler alert, I think we're well past the statute of limitations, the woman that revealed herself to be Talia al Ghul, uh, the daughter of Ra's al Ghul, stabbed Batman, Bruce Wayne, spoilers everybody, Bruce Wayne is Batman, uh, spo- stabbed Bruce a- and said... The following line, it's the slow knife, the knife that waits, that's the one that cuts deepest. Perhaps that's what Angelo is waiting on in regards to Nero. Maybe, uh, as we'll find out, uh, Angelo is waiting for that exact point where Nero is seemingly untouchable uh, that's a mini spoiler i suppose to exact his revenge uh what do you think well i i'm starting to think about it and i think perhaps the best course of action for angelo is uh you know you don't want to be one of these crazy people that enacts their plan and then takes their own life at the end because there's no he knows there's no way out there's no way to really savor it and it's just pointless if if you're gonna do it we're you know taking out a second in command a potential mafia boss in his own right Nero, take him out and what what course of action is next well the families will be after him he's a marked man certainly he wants to you know continue to live because that is the best form of revenge so Either that or they're just waiting until episode 12. But I think he wants to actually make it out of this alive, which is something that usually doesn't happen in life. But I think he wants to just, you know, move on. Hopefully he's not doing the the villain thing where he wants you to suffer the most and then take your life. Hopefully, you know, he's, he truly does have the long the long form game plan here because – we, we've seen it, and we'll see it in the next few episodes, that he's had plenty of opportunities if all he cared about was just the the death. But clearly, he wants to twist that knife just a little bit more. Or maybe Brother Nero is actually growing on him. I guess we'll have to find out. And we continue to find out a little bit more in Episode 8, entitled Behind the Curtain. A hard-nosed prohibition agent, Delphi, is installed in the city of Lawless. He claims that he will cut out the mafia's power in the city and begins clamping down on bars that sell bootleg liquor. Naturally, the the Vanetti family considers him an unwelcome presence. While keeping one eye on Fongo, Nero comes down hard against Delphi and Aphelio stands with him but another man watches them with complicated feelings about the situation. We're on episode eight. We see this gentleman, Delphi, looking to clean things up and take out the mob. 
Richard, how are you feeling about episode eight? You know, you brought up The Dark Knight Rises, and immediately when this new guy came in, this white knight intend to crush the mafia families, I, I couldn't help but think of our good buddy Harvey Dent in this situation because it seemed like, hey, we're watching The Dark Knight here. So, you know, he wants to clean up the crime and, you know, get rid of things. And as we all know, judging my history, prohibition did eventually end, at least for alcohol. And what we saw here is a changing of the families, so to speak. Fango, as we mentioned last episode, he is the new head, thanks to uh, the dinner invitation from the Orcos. He is, and he intends to, you know, take out the Benetis because what what better way to grow your power than to become a monopoly? And during all this, Delphi, our white knight, he is a marked man, and this scene actually really grabbed me in, in a way. Basically, his family was warned that, or he was warned that if he continues to poke his nose in the mafia business, that his family, you know, they'll be taken out. And he has police protection, which, as we know, with supervillains such as the Joker and Fongo, that always works out well. And they had a cop escort, and when they got into the car, it blew up. And that, that shocked me for a bit, except we find out that his family, his wife and daughter, never actually got into the car. So it was just, you know, a cop death. No big deal. But, yeah, that, that really took me for, for a surprise. It shocked me because I thought, wow, there's, there's a major death. So what happens throughout this episode other than that is there's, there's a rat in, in Nero's midst. And you instantly think... That, you know, it's probably Angela. Here's the next part of his plan. But it turns out that the one trying to set up Nero is Angelo's boy, the guy his, that help, has been helping him make their moonshine. And I was thinking throughout this is perhaps he doesn't think that Angelo is going through with his game plan because this he's had plenty of opportunities. He isn't going through it. Maybe he's trying to, you know just so they can both get out of this mafia business. So this is where things get really interesting. And I think in a way, Cody didn't like when Big Boobs McGee bit the bullet. I don't think Deej was too happy with this one. Basically, we got a scene from Breaking Bad and Fango, he now has the lawless heaven recipe and he no longer needs Angelo's partner to continue to make it for him. So he lets he lets the kid go. He doesn't kill him, but he threatens to tell Nero that he's the rat. This is where he go. He goes crazy, and he decides to take it to Fango with his back turned because naturally Fango would take him out. Look at he split, but he uh, breaks one of his bottles and stabs Fango and just continues to beat on him. Where we assume that Fango is done for, and he could no longer inform Nero that he is the traitor. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happened with this, but unlike with Taboo Tattoo, uh, you can act, you actually felt it, or maybe I'm just enjoying it that much more, so the stuff that happens actually means something to me. But yeah, episode eight is, a lot, a lot of stuff happened, but it was good stuff. Isn't it great when a show can make you care about the characters? And actually get you invested in when a major event happens. Isn't that great, Richard? 
It, it's it's pretty great. You know, I hate the whole notion that less is more to uh, do it from a certain sport we all follow, but you know, it it, it just works here. So, I, I one of my favorite YouTubers honestly said in regards to ninety one days that it's the best anime this season. Now, I'm only the only anime I'm following this season. I usually wait until the next season so I can watch it in one sitting. Is the two we're discussing for it's in season. But if you guys are watching anything else, would you agree? I, 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 assure, I assume you would because 91 Days is just that anime. So I can't imagine too many would give a run for its money. Because if it is, this is probably one of the best seasons in a long time. I second that, Richard. 91 Days is that show this season. It really is. And once again, I give credit for Crunchyroll for stepping out of their typical comfort zone and and making this kind of a, a critic's pick and putting it on their front page uh, because it deserves it. Uh, Cody, uh, how are you feeling about Episode 8? Episode 8? That was a lot to take in. But I'm glad you didn't ask me about the last episode, about the line of... If whether if you like Avilio or Brother Nero more at that point, because this episode is when I really started to question that, because with Corteo and how Avilio is the one that dragged him into all this, he's the one who's ruined ruined his life just for his own revenge. He's brought his own friend into this, and his friend is about to be almost it was almost about to be killed just because of this. You have to really question his motives at this point and whether. He's in the right. And I'm starting to say he's not. But yeah, the ending, I didn't really expect that. I didn't expect it because I didn't think Corteo had that in him to do it. But I guess when your life is on the line, you're willing to do anything. That is yeah, the I, honest truth. I will surely miss Fango, though. He was the highlight of the show. I didn't expect this to be the end for him. I expected him to eventually die, but not this episode. But yeah, it's pretty great when an episode or a show does what it should, and that and what it should do is make you care about the characters. In a show where every character is important and the most dynamic character is killed before the climax, that takes a lot of guts. That takes a lot of bravery to do, and I will say, ninety-one days deserves a level of credit and honest, judgment-free willingness to keep watching. It's been such an, uh, an interesting, entertaining watch that I- I'm still interested in seeing how it goes. And one thing that was really great for me was here is Fongo, this wild, dynamic character who was ki- who was killed mercilessly by the almost diminutive Corteo uh, in a moment of crisis it was it was a very interesting contrast I was really fascinated with the character that they chose to do such a thing uh, Richard did you notice this or was it just me that this was the guy they picked you know I did I think it was smart that they did it that way because if you if you were to have it spoiled for you saying that Fongo was taken out, unless you actually picked Maggie Simpson in Who Shot Mr. Burns, odds are he probably would have been your very, very last pick. You just you just didn't see it happening. 
And uh, but you know, even the worst of us eventually turn crazy once or twice. In fact, I once cut a lady in line at the grocery store. So we we all have our breaking points. Oh, th- that is to say, you you cut in front of her at the grocery store, right? Yes. I don't know. I thought you, he meant he cut a bitch. Personally. Well, in front, in line, in line, right. We have cops right? listening, so of course, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right. Cut in line, cut in line. Uh, I, I'm, and no one here on It's in Season or Delta Juliet Mike Media or, or the anime centrists have committed any crime or illegal activities of any kind. No, sir. The only crime I'm guilty of is loving anime too much. I am guilty of that too. So much so that I think we're going to come back and do another episode of It's in Season in the not-too-distant future to wrap up Taboo Tattoo and 91 Days. How do you guys feel about that, Cody? I'm here for it. I can't wait to see how 91 Days ends, and I want to see how... Taboo tattoo whimpers along. <laughs> Richard, are, are, do you think you have one more episode of It's in Season left in you? A- at least to to finish off 91 Days and, and to see how Taboo Tattoo does something? Well, you know, if you look at my track record as far as on It's in Season, I don't believe I've ever, you know, quit on a series before outright. I'm I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Nope. No idea what you're talking about. Don't know what you're referring to. As far as these shows are concerned, if I'm willing to continue with a certain series, even without a podcast backing it, I have no doubt I can stomach Taboo Tattoo and 91 Days. If you got gotten into it at this point, you know, there's really no reason that we we can't wrap it up just so we can have a proper ending. And if you're too lazy, not, not that the episodes aren't phenomenal, but if you're too lazy and you just want to hurry up and catch up and follow along with us at home, you should check out 91 Days, episode 7.5, because it wraps up the first seven episodes in a nice 22-minute package, and then you can join us right along for the final episode of this season. All right, let's take it home with just a, a quick bit on episode nine. And my big takeaway from episode nine of 91 Days Black and Deep Desires is Brother Nero is the Dawn. That's huge. That's really huge. I, I'm really wondering how Avilio is going to do this now. I'm really curious as to what he's going to do, because as the old saying goes, uh, you come at the king, you best not miss. And now that Nero is at the head of the family, well, it's going to be a little bit harder to to do what you need to do. And um, now that now that he's the Don, I don't know if I can call him Brother Nero anymore. You know what's interesting about that? You say you can't really, but when you look at all the heads so far, Fango when he took over, Don Orco, they've actually been the ones that the only ones we've really seen that have been taken out. So at the same time, now that Nero is, you know, at the head of the food chain, 
taking him out will do the biggest damage possible, especially because he trusts Angelo. And once again, episode nine, he had another chance, didn't take it, even though all the stakes were, were on the line because his boy, the one who ratted him, the one who was trying to take him out with the help of Fango, he was captured in. Angela had to take out Nero in 24 hours or his life was on the line. And so far, he still has not done it. Cody, Nero is no longer a brother, but is now the Don of the Veneti family. Episode 9, what did you think? Yeah, I really liked it. Maybe not as much as the last two, but there was enough suspense it was leaving me for the next one, seeing what's going to happen now with we know who the fourth person was the night that Avilio's parents were killed. And I'm excited to see how this goes. And maybe it's going to be harder now for him to even to attempt to kill him with him being the Dawn now. Everyone's going to know it's going to be him. He's the guy that hasn't been around that long. So it's going to be difficult, but entertaining along the way. It absolutely will. And I think, yes, I'm saying it right now. Uh, I am officially done calling Nero Venetti Brother Nero. Uh, he's made his way to the top of the family. Now he's the Don. He's earned that respect, and I will put respect on his name. <laughs> and we'll continue to put respect on his name on the next episode of It's in Season. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoy this show, hey, do us a favor. Give us that five stars in iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Uh, it would help more people check out the show. We think we have a unique little thing going on, and uh, we, we hope you enjoy it. So iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, give us the old five stars. It's in there. If you can't find it by name, search my name, David Majors. And as always, DeltaJulietMike.com. Thank you all for listening to It's In Season. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to wrap things up.